welcome to Get With The Programme. Uh, I'm Holly. I'm Campbell. And this is a podcast for anyone interested in watching TV and also making TV. People kind of making it and making it. Oh, very good. Nice. Um, luckily, that's not what we call the podcast. Okay. And we called it Get With The Programme, which also has a double meaning. Yes, which we'll leave you to try and figure out for yourself. Um, so our little sort of sponsored section from what we're up to at the TV festival this week it is two weeks to go until applications close for the Debbies which are our new talent award uh, you can find lots of information about how to enter all the different categories and um, how to buy tickets for the awards themselves at Rich Mix on the 27th of February at www.thedebbies.tv and we also want you to get in touch with us about the podcast so we're now on week two we'd love to hear what you think uh, any guests that you would like us to have on um you can tweet us at, at get with pod uh, or email us on talent schemes at the tvfestival.com and we'd love to hear from you and don't forget to subscribe if you're into it kind of two weeks in and also um give us a rating and some kind comments because that will help people find us yes so, Campbell, I don't know if you want to introduce uh, this week's guest who you interviewed a little while ago. Yes. Um, so, um, interviewing Naz was great fun. She's a short-form commissioner at BBC Three who are doing lots of really, really exciting stuff. Um, they're on their way to move to Birmingham, which I think is a really exciting uh, development for any of you out there who are looking to kind of get into TV and don't necessarily want to do it in a London-centric way. But we had a really interesting conversation about the the programs that inspired uh, Naz and um, the things that are really important to her and also just getting a sense of how like a really forward looking channel operates and I think it's a really exciting world so cue me and Naz um, thanks for joining us um, we're going to talk a little bit about programs that you love and the things you've enjoyed making we could start by going back to the beginning, really, when you were when you were a child, when you were small. What are your memories of television and what sort of place did it occupy in your family life? So, um, contrary to what people may think, I'm actually quite old. So, my, actually, when you asked me to, to come and do this podcast, I realised that all my early memories were from titles that I don't think today's generation would ever remember but I'll know <laughs> okay well we'll try we'll try and see so look television was a big deal in our in our family home my parents were very young when they had myself and my sister and my twin um and you know it was a way of ensuring that you know English was a part of the household if you like that you know my mother and father were very worried that you know back then being bilingual wasn't seen as a skill it was seen as a hindrance in terms of integration so um, television did occupy a big part, so often you come back from school, you have your tea and you're watching uh, CBBC or uh, kind of CITV, whatever that was then. So my earliest, earliest memory would be kind of um, watching Fluella Benjamin on Play School. And yes. I, we always remember the catchphrase, you know, what's the day? It's, what's the day today? And it's Monday. And except my mum would always say that we would say, we couldn't say Monday, we'd say Monday day to make it look rhyme. So, um, so that is one of my earliest memories. And actually, you know, it's great that, you know, Floella is like a, you know, she's like a pioneer, isn't she, in the industry? Yeah, in terms she's of like a date. Yeah, diversity. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, one of the first places I saw on TV was somebody of diverse background. It's not a bad thing, you know. Um, but yeah, so definitely play school, that kind of, in kind of CBBC stuff and, and things like Rainbow. 
And were there programmes that you watched together as a family a bit more that were perhaps less children oriented and more in the, in the, in the family space? Yeah, I mean, what's really weird is that, you know, look, it's all different now. We've all got smartphones and tablets and all that kind of stuff and I suppose. But back then, you know, you could watch, in some ways, anything was okay to watch with your family. It was all very safe, wasn't it? So in our, fam- in our household, it'd be anything from like, you know, Panorama or QED or 40 Minutes to like even like, um, if I'm honest, you know, like Miss World, we sit and watch on a Sunday night yeah. on ITV. And, and it's funny how that was like a no no now. <laughs> sit and watch that with your dad, you yeah. know. I remember that being on, um, but then I, I can't remember like when it stopped being on. It'd be interesting to see what year they're like. I know. Yeah, that's not the, right. Anymore. This isn't on. But, <laughs> so, but more recently than you'd imagine, yeah, I, I yeah. suppose is the answer to that. Absolutely, I think on ITV they used to have it. But you know, we sit and watch that it was family viewing, like Eurovision family viewing you know, big sporting or cultural events, family viewing. And, you know, I remember game shows like Game for a Laugh, for instance, or That's yeah. Life. And, and you just think, my God, like, you know, there'd be the odd joke about sex or something a bit kind of, you know, tricky. Yeah. And you'd kind of all, you know, one of us would make a loud noise on the <laughs> sofa. But, you know, we was pretty much so much most things with our parents. You know, quite, you know, TV was a big deal. And particularly because back then there was no digital TV, there were no language, you know, services. So my parents didn't have ZTV or they didn't have the kind of some of the Asian channels that they do sit and watch now, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, so we were all encouraged to watch things together before nine o'clock. You could always rely on the watershed. Yeah. And now I don't know. Now I sometimes feel, I see words like shit popping up at like eight o'clock. Yeah. Like, oh, well, that wouldn't have happened. I, I know, exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I do remember kind of... Um, Dallas and Dynasty were like sort of guilty pleasures. Yes. But we'd been told to go to bed. By, I think I was about eight or nine by that time. And I remember very clearly we used to live in a Victorian, a whole Victorian home in South Wales. And um, myself and my sister pretended we'd gone to sleep. And when the kind of opening credits come, you know, you could hear them very in loud. the bedroom. You'd come downstairs and watch you the banisters. I do remember that very distinctly. Um, so, you know, massive fan of Sue Ellen and uh, all that kind of stuff. I remember doing stuff like that. And then seeing stuff that scared me, but then not being able to call my parents and say I'm scared. Because I was yeah. always scared of like, oh, that being on as well. Like that horror yeah. film you were watching you or whatever it might be. All that stuff. But yeah. yeah. There you go. Um, so your route to working television is 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 slightly different to other people's. Would you be able to sort of talk about that a little bit and how you ended up working in TV? Yeah, I mean, look, like television was a big part of the home, and I definitely think my sister and I, probably more myself, definitely had an interest in popular culture. You know, massive fan of Smash Hits and Radio One and all that kind of stuff. But you know, I guess if you're not from a sort of um, uh, a network of people who work in those industries, it's, it's seen as a dream, you know, yeah. it's seen as a kind of another world. And I clearly remember writing to the very address that we're sitting in right now, the Television Centre, Wood Lane, London, W1A, you know, W12. Yeah. I kind of remember that very, very um, clearly. But, you know, I thought, okay, you know, it's not going to happen easily, so let's do the, the sensible thing, which is, you know, study hard, get a degree, so I've got a science degree. And then uh, pursue that, possibly become a scientist, because, you know, done all right in it, got some yeah. decent grades, uh, and I did a PhD in published papers and <laughs> worked in a lab for my sins, <laughs> you know. Um, but, you know, all throughout that time, you know, even you know, started television quite late, you know, in my mid-twenties, actually I thought, I still do want to work in television, I want to work in a people-oriented place, I want to work in a place where um, ideas matter and, you know, it's a very influential industry to work in. You know, your content informs opinions and is part of conversation uh, of most people up and down Britain. 
So, you know, I kept plugging away, kept contacting people, meeting people, doing my own bit of networking back then. Yeah. Although back then it wasn't <laughs> as open as it is now with Twitter and Facebook. You can't stalk people before you meet them by going on yeah. LinkedIn or any of that. You stuff. literally write cheeky yeah. letters. That's what you do about your yeah. snail mail. We used to write cheeky letters or maybe bring through to the switchboard at BBC Wells, my local kind of BBC base, um, or try and get, you know, like one day shadowing at BBC Radio Wells. So these were the kinds of things that I was doing yeah. as I was doing my PhD and finishing up my PhD. Um, and then eventually a contact led to another contact and led to um, a one-year production scheme at BBC Wales, the local kind of production training scheme version, if you like. And that was my initial route in. So tell us some of the experiences of, of getting on that local scheme in Wales. So yeah, I mean, the, it took a few, you know, kind of contact led to another contact, a couple of chats, an interview process. And I think by that time, you know, I was 25 going on 26. That's pretty, you know, that's pretty old and mature when you compare to the whippersnappers that come in through the doors here at BBC Three, um, and perhaps having some life experience, perhaps having sort of had some time out, or having worked in a research lab, or you know, kind of uh, done a bit of travelling or whatever that was, you know, perhaps put me in some good stead, you know, and ultimately perhaps the BBC back then is a place where you know a good solid education mattered, you know, that kind of traditional formal education mattered, so um, perhaps that CV stood out a little bit then, you know. Um, but I mean, you know, what I didn't have, um, and I remember very clearly my first day at the BBC, I didn't have the language or the knowledge, whereas you see young people coming in now and they certainly know what an, what an edit is or what, an, um, what a shoot is, whereas even basic terms like this, I did, just didn't have the grasp on simply because, you know, I've just come from working in a lab and published papers about some drugs, you know. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. another world. Were you working on things that used your sort of specialist knowledge at all? Or was it more just they could see that you've got the, the discipline and that kind of mind? Yeah, I, think, I didn't know not at all, but at BBC Wales it was very much, um, I spent uh, I think a year working in the education department, I spent working on social action programming, which interestingly, if you look at the kinds of forms and the platforms they were using, it's the beginnings of what we do here at Three, which is multi-platform content, so radio, public service announcements, um, online sites and short television um, hits that promote different social action issues in South Wales. Um, so it's not dissimilar to what we're using now at BBC Three. Um, and yeah, worked in the education department, worked in the factual department developing ideas that later became things like BBC Two series, a year at Kew, British Museum, um, a series that um, for early BBC Three as well about financial uh, money management issues. Um, and then I worked in BBC Radio, so did a couple of uh, research stints for Radio uh, 4 documentaries and then Radio Wales kind of mid-morning chat show. And then um, did a stint an interactive, the then new media department <laughs> at the BBC. So I actually worked on a UGC, um, created a mini site with a, uh, that basically photographs of young people. And we gave them, uh, I kid you not, we gave them disposable cameras to take photos of their patch. And I created a mini site called Our Patch, and it was really crap photos <laughs> of young people. Uh, and then so you invented you invented Instagram, basically. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And uh, crap photos from disposal cameras that you had to go to boots uh, to to get kind of you know yeah. developed, and pictures of like you know bridges in Bridge End and graffiti in Newport. Um, but I mean, you know, you know, it's the early days. When I look back now, and I think at coming here to three, in some ways, it completely makes sense from where I've come from because I've never actually just worked on you know some people have like four food credits and they're known as the food producer or five credits on you know documentaries at 9pm for Channel 4 about prison life and actually my CV is such a scattering of stuff uh, that I'm not surprised I'm here. Working at BBC Wales did you sort of have that sense was it an important 
thing for you as kind of a viewer when before you sort of started working there was it sort of something that you watched and sort of consumed and did you feel like as an audience member you sort of knew what might work or were you sort of coming at it from a completely different perspective probably a bit wider vision and you know that's that's regional national programming yeah you know um vast majority of the content and the output from there I believe was Welsh language at the time I'm not sure if that's changed or not um, but you know I could see that this these were the steps that I needed to take if I wanted to work on the big shows I mean in an ideal world I would have wanted to have worked on The Word or on Deaf 2 or you know yeah. these are the programmes that I was watching or Big Breakfast and like you know they're the programmes where you look and think oh I really want to be part of that gang you know um, and I remember actually around the same time or probably a bit later because you know it's still quite hard to consolidate a one-year contract into a meaningful career you know I was given a one-year trainee contract and I remember applying to um, Charlie Parsons Plant 24 training of scheme course, yeah and so going down to the house in um, East London on the district line Old Ford Lock London oh 3 God, to NN yes, if you want to talk um, about addresses absolutely, that get burnt in there absolutely yeah. and um and uh, I remember going in, you know, you do the kind of, you know, the group exercises, you know, you do all these kind of namby-pamby things to try and get onto the scheme. <laughs> yeah. And at the end, they gave us a goodie bag. And inside the goodie bag was um, the big breakfast mug. Of course. Amazing. But I was gutted because about 10 years later, my dad smashed it by mistake. And I was, cry- I was crying. Well, yeah, because so it's, it's irreplaceable. A, absolutely. Where am I going to get that from? But I mean, you know, that would have been, that. that's the kind of programme that, made me feel like oh I want to be that part of that laugh basically whereas at BBC Wells it was just learning it was learning the language if I'm going to be honest it was it was kind of like uh, the kind of you know I still see some in some ways the BBC is like the oxbridge of the industry you know it's like okay getting in getting the kind of um, language right and the grammar right and then I can do what I want to do with that you know yeah I was thinking shows like the breakfast are, are interesting and I don't know whether you experienced this but there shows where you sort of see around the edges and the scenes and you've got a real sense of like this is a TV programme being made in in a great way. Um, Do you ever have any sort of memories of TV programmes that sort of formed your opinion about or what the roles might be and how you might fit in and that might be sort of going back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly, you know, things like The Word, Big Breakfast, even listening to Steve Bright in the afternoon, the early days of having a gang or a team that yes. kind of existed on air or in present in the audience's mind, you know, so you'd know that there was a producer or a news reporter or a weather presenter there somewhere. But, you know, I still had, mm, I still none the wiser, you know, about the kinds of roles. And I think there's so much more information now, if I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of, you know, I get emails pretty much like every week from uh, people, you know, even this morning, a couple of people who'd see me speak at an event. and. You know, I've tried to help, but it's nice, it's really hard because there's so much assumed knowledge and there's so much that we just kind of know because we've been working and doing this for 15 years. Um, but, you know, for somebody coming in fresh, they don't know what are the different... Le- you know, for instance, a young person doesn't know what genre to work in. And that's, up to a certain sense, fine. But what isn't fine is when you don't know what you enjoy and what you like and what you want to do, you know, or just to have a generic kind of vision, like I just want to work in television. And actually, even now, I'm kind of a bit working in digital I feel a bit kind of uh, irked when people say oh yeah working in telly or I want to work in telly and then they come to three and it's like we're not even telly mate you know we're digital yeah. it's like get that right you know it's yeah. kind of well that, I mean that that's an interesting point do, do you what does the word television mean to you now and, and, and do you feel that it what you're doing now is kind of something new and something different yeah definitely telly for me now is content if I'm going to be honest um 
you know, yes, I've, I, I think more so just simply through age, more than the average BBC3 employee, I've got much more of a stronger history and connection with traditional television because that's what I grew up with. Um, but, you know, for me, certainly I see, see content, I, when we talk about media now, I think of it as content. Don't really think of it as a box in the corner of the room, and you know, w although my family really did kind of, you know, we did gear life around the television. It, it was still seen as something that you know, we only had one television in the house up until we were about twenty two, twenty three, which is quite late actually. Yeah. You know, it was still kind of a veneration around television, if you like. Whereas now it's like, well, it's anywhere that no one can. My dad can't bet what I'm watching, you know. But when we were kids, yeah. you know, they were quite concerned about us watching Neighbours because they thought, you know, but you know. It might be a bit kind of sensational for us. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, um, but yeah, it's all content. Yeah, I, I remember when they started adding in the evening showing of Neighbours, it was because people were bunking off school. Oh, yeah, to totally. Watch, like, the lunchtime oh, no, version. It was like, that, oh, hands up, did that, yeah. you know. But it's like, in the early days when this like, new, new kind of sassy programme came over from Australia, my sister and I were totally addicted. And my mum did say it once, saying, you know, you guys are, you know, that's it, it'll be the death of me watching Neighbours. You'll come back with season D's. That was their worst nightmare. Oh, and I just, <laughs> and I think that, and then Home and Away seemed to be like another level. I know, of totally. like, That's really racy. And then, and you sort of look at them right now and it seems so very tame. quite gentle and quite relaxing to watch. <laughs> tame. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, um, but yeah, it's all content now to me. So I don't really think of television as television. Do you, and I'm, and in some ways it's about changing the language that people work. So when, you know, back that thing of, you know, ways into the media, and the kind of people that come in and want to work at three and the way that they kind of um, present themselves to us. Often people say, I want to work in television, I'm really keen to work at BBC Three. And you kind of think, well, can you please get it right first? But yes. then but then, but then, then there's part of me thinks maybe I'm being harsh because the language isn't out there, you know. Um, yeah. But, you know, at least know what you like. So I sort of knew that I wanted to work on popular factuals and social issues. And in some ways, even though my CV is not a consistent story, I think it's consistent enough to say, okay, I think I understand why I'm at three now, you know. Because um. I think with television, it feels like it's a word that's probably in better health now than it was sort of five or ten years ago. And bizarrely, I think that might be something to do with the fact it's what we understand to be, but it's also just a category on Netflix. Yes. Whereas right. there's television where you're like, okay, there's sort of two types of content on here. There's movies and there's television, even though these things are kind of being delivered in a, in a different way. Yeah, um, you're right. You're yeah. right. It's a euphemism for like midform midform yeah. content. That's what it is effectively. Midform content that sits anywhere. So you know, the other day I was sorting out a press release for one of our um, series here, and the and the publicist had written oh, this new TV show, and I, and I said, well, actually, no, we're not a TV show. And actually, the word show is in some ways quite archaic for us. It's yes. like you know, it's I don't know, it just feels archaic. So, but then you know, like it take a while for language to kind of change around uh, this industry. And what's your television and content diet like? How how do you like to watch? Like, and what do you watch? I'm kind of dipping in and out person. If I'm going to be totally honest with you, if somebody who grew up with loads of traditional television, now it is very much like you know it'll be like all deaf digital on YouTube. Or I really enjoyed um, bizarrely and nerdily, and maybe it speaks about my science background, but really enjoy the astronauts series on BBC Two. Yeah. And it's amazing because my 10 year old nephew just like, oh my God, you know, sit down and watch that show together. Um, but I'm surprised no one hadn't done it before at the BBC. I know, when it sort of came on, because it taps into that really primal thing. I think yeah. there's very few people who've not thought about it. Like, what would it be like? 
could I could I do it as it's well? Is it's a secondary question about what's actually yeah. involved. In. And also, it's done with, in a way where it wasn't necessarily about the characters on the show. So if you look at other Plankton shows, it's so much yes. about the big gregarious, you know, dislikable characters. But it was just like, okay, well, I really want to be in space, and this is amazing. And there was this childlike wonder around all the characters. Um, but you know, like I learned a lot, so really enjoyed. I'm going to be honest, so nerdy and weird, but I really enjoyed watching that. You know, no, I, I mean, I, I think that there's a perfect example of an accessible science program yeah, in a way. Yeah, and it's, it's not that that nerdy. I yeah, think it's something yeah. we've all. Well, I'm saying that maybe we're both a couple of big nerds. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe not everyone's thought about it. I'm not I, that, I think I'm not that cool, you know, though. you certainly do. Yeah, go through that stuff. And do you watch that stuff live? Do you do you watch it when you know at your own convenience? When, yeah, when I can. I mean, it's weird because there are some shows that I still do a little weird appointment to view bizarrely. Yeah. So you know, love it or hate it, The Apprentice. It's like it, yeah. it, somehow it's drilled in my head Wednesday nights. I it's don't like know sports. What... It's like yeah, there's going to be an outcome. Like... There's going to be winners and losers. Yeah, yeah. And you don't want to spoil for yourself in a way. Yeah. So kind of it's bizarre, and you know. But when when I was kind of really into the X Factor Saturday nights, yes, you know, if you're not going out, then you know, you just get your take out yeah. and watch that. It's easy. Um, but at the minute, if I'm honest, it's very sporadic. It's very much dipping and out of shows. W1A, love watching that. So dipping <laughs> and out of, of that, you know. I think I learned how not to use meeting rooms at the BBC by uh, an episode a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- there's no, nothing at the moment that's really. Uh, kind of big and, and grabbing me, if I'm going to be totally honest with you. I mean, the last couple of series that have are things like Big Little Lies and um, The Night Of. But, you know, I'm, you know, I think we were talking about things that were quite agnostic or have never watched. And, and I'm going to confess that I've never really watched anything like The Wire or Breaking Bad. And because I kind of feel like, well, everyone's watching them. And no one's really, if you actually listen to people's conversations around them, no one's really got an opinion. They're just regurgitating what's in the show. So you're yeah. just to be cool, cool or part of the conversation. People talk about these programmes. But I sort of feel like, well, you know, um, I don't, I like, you know, I've never watched them and I don't really feel like I need to watch stuff like that or Riverdale or whatever it is. So there are some conversations yeah. that I feel quite excluded from, but then I kind of think, well, I'm kind of cool because I don't watch them. <laughs> I'm not part of the pack, you know. What makes you decide to watch stuff if you've got friends whose recommendations who know you well and you're like, well, if they've recommended it, that might make a difference or... I'm quite rebellious. I don't like watching what everyone else is watching, if I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. So, um... Uh, anything that feels like it has a statement to say about the world. So I think the night of, probably for me, and even Pinky versus OJ, um, last two big series, I feel like, oh, that kind of saying stuff about stuff in the world right now. And um, like my husband says, I'm a curious mix of, you know, bimbo teddy and then proper hardcore like docs. There's nothing in the middle. It's got to either have a purpose or it's completely idiotic. There's nothing like, you know, yeah. nothing in between. So romance versus, you know, something really, you know, dark and, and amazing like Adam Curtis's films, you know. <laughs> so I think I'm, I'm that. Whereas I kind of think why are Breaking Bad, all those big American series, it's like they're in the middle somewhere, you know, it's kind of, you can read in synopsis on wiki and you know, you'll know what's going on. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I think as, as well, sometimes with programmes when there's that, feels like an enormity of a task, if you've not seen any of it, it's like, right, there are 80 episodes or 60 episodes it's to watch. And it can feel quite daunting. And also those spaces aren't necessarily pleasant places to spend a lot yeah. of time. And whether it's sometimes better to have things parceled out or when you've got the kind of binge option, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it can be a bit more challenging. I, I do wonder how people spend time, how they manage the time, if I'm going to be honest with you. And also, yeah. um, 
so much of our culture conversation is is about you know like you were just saying recommendations or what someone's written about and i wonder how much of it is a kind of it's a sheep mental you know sheeple mentality yeah we're just watching stuff because other people watching about it watching it reading it writing writing about it but actually if we were to you know if we didn't have that kind of chatter on social media what would we all be watching i think it would be very sporadic and very different it is because in a way as if there is peer pressure that exists around television yeah, now, whereas when we were growing up, you sort of either you either saw the thing or you didn't, or you might have taped it, yeah, you know, right. maybe, but that's it. But then the, I guess that pressure, people wouldn't, you just go, I didn't see it and I didn't tape it, so that's that, yeah. you know. And I, yeah, I think you're right, there is a lot of expectation around what you're watching, and I think it, you end up second guessing yourself a bit, like, like I'll watch something I've been recommending, I'm like, not enjoying this am i missing just something just being cool about it but now i'm just think i sort of trust because there's so much to watch yeah, i just yeah. have to trust myself like if i'm not feeling it i haven't got the time to invest in it just because everything else is yeah, good yeah. and that yeah there's, there's a lot so i think i'm definitely abstaining from that and i think you know digital world opens up opens you up to having kind of niche interests if you like you know yeah. so a lot of youtube channels that are kind of sitting different than that or them watching bloggers, you know, they're just kind of random people doing random things, you know, it's easy, you don't have to feel like you're part of a pack of people, to have a conversation to justify your views on something the next day, you know, it's kind of, a, yeah. it's liberating, but um, it's funny because a few years ago, sort of at the, at the beginnings of this box set culture, I remember, I can't remember who it was, but um, I remember the article in The Guardian, a columnist written about how they were abstaining from this box set culture and how, exactly as I'm saying now, they feel like there's a pressure to watch things, you know, kind of pressure to watch Breaking Bad, pressure to watch The Wire, pressure to watch the, um, these big American shows, and actually they were completely abstaining from it. And I remember pinning that up and saying, that's on my Facebook, saying, that's me, guys. I don't want to have conversations like this just because everyone else is watching this stuff. You know, would you have found this out in isolation if we didn't have these conversations? And it was funny how a lot of people agreed with me and were like, yeah, actually, I've never watched an episode of that. I've never watched an episode of this. So, you know, I feel like there's more of us than we know. You know, it's like, um, yeah, there's more of us and we shouldn't succumb to pressure. Indeed. About <laughs> anything, I think. Um, and when you think about the, the programmes you've worked on, is, is there one in particular that you're especially proud of having been part of? God, that is a really tough one. I mean, you know, there are loads of things here at Free that I really love and have been proud of. And... Kind of hope, I sort of feel like, oh, you know, that's kind of broken through. Like I say, my career history has been quite kind of, uh, kind of a little bit of everything. There is a consistency in that, in that I do enjoy working on social issues that uh, content. Um, you sort of might have answered this question a little bit earlier when we talked about the, like the word and Big Breakfast. Yeah. Are there, are there other shows that you admire or would be interested in working on because you'd be like. You know, although I know how this works, I'd love to know exactly how they make certain programmes and, right. and, and how that might go. Do you ever think about that? Um, yeah, I think definitely certainly with those shows. I think back, was it in the late 90s, early noughties, when that kind of cool Joe Wiley kind of, you yeah. know, Mark Mode pack had come out and um, yeah. Sarah Cox, like the girly show, I remember that, yes. Passengers. Um, even even the kind of kids version number seventy three you know you kind yeah, of think well, God, hey, that's where we got Sammy Thompson from so. <laughs> absolutely yes. you know so there is uh, you know and going live and you kind of think all those shows that you know they're multi item multi presenter multi camera you know it is quite a beast and and even though for all the messiness that sometimes appeared in some ways it was so seamless as well on those yeah. you know programs. You know, you kind of you think, oh God, um, I remember Caitlin Moran presenting with Johnny Vaughan on that show that was late Oh, night. Uh, Naked uh, City. Yes, yes. yes. I thought about that because that, and she was 
17? I know, like, that's guitar spot. Yeah. Guitar spot, you know, you kind of think that's... Of, yeah, I haven't thought about that for ages. And it was like, um, it was like a set on two levels, wasn't it? That's there was right, very bits, dark set. Um, was Prince on it once? Yeah, yeah. During his, like, I'm sort of like not talking I don't, I don't have a name anymore. Yeah, so I, I think there might have been sort of an interpreter. It was, it was definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. like one of Prince's older phases. Yeah, and, yeah. No. So, I, so anyone, any of those kind of youth culture shows... I'm kind of in awe of because I think, you know, there is such a mechanism behind um, each of those shows, but also they always seem such fun, yeah. you know, and, you know, and, and then on the other hand, you know, you had kind of segments like Death 2 on BBC2 and in admiration of those shows because I think actually they're pioneering in terms of kind of, you know, representation in the UK. Um, so, yeah, but very much in the early days, I would have loved to have worked on that kind of content. Um, yeah. But, you know, and it's a, it's a shame that actually, you know, television now, you know, we don't have... Um, music shows in the same way, or we don't have youth culture shows because it's hard, you know, it's, it, one could argue it's hard to bring an audience to, but actually, they were sort of the shows that informed kind of probably our sort of teenage lives. Um, yeah. And and I, I don't know, they have the, a weird sort of ability to pull people together as well. You know, it's kind of a weird kind of positive energy that you don't sort of see in television at the moment. I mean, often content that does well are things that around subjects that are quite dark, like sex, drugs. Yeah. Crime, medicine, medicine, you know, these are the things that if you look at 10pm or 9pm across the schedule, that's what you're going to get, you know. Um, so you kind of think, God, back then, those were, the, you know, that probably the factual stuff or magazine shows were just doing really, really well, but you just don't see that now, which is a shame. Yeah, I often wonder why not, and I think back to, to Death 2 and that whole block, and, and they said it, so I'm, I found out about so many things from that. Yeah. Because you know there was there was no internet and there were no ways to kind of find out about yeah, right, yeah. new stuff. So that would, would be quite a good first. Even because did um, Jay Powell's Rough Guide used to sort of sell oh, in that? Yeah, Divine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's probably the first time I was like, oh, like that's what other cities are yeah. in a way that was kind of not sort of holiday with like yeah. charms. It was more sort of you know aimed at and like rapido and things like that oh my god of, totally oh my god max headroom all yeah that kind of stuff. and you know back to what you were asking me earlier about and um, the kinds of roles you know were you aware of the kinds of roles you know I, I i kind of think you know back then it was okay for me to say yes i wanted to be a presenter because i there were no other roles that i knew of that's all you saw yes. on screen which was a presenter yeah. but now i'm always amazed when you know you, you get people saying i want to be a presenter because it feels like that term is is now it's just it's just not as important as it once was, you know, yeah. because there are other you know there are other kind of um, ways of finding out con finding out about content or making content that's a lot more transparent than it was back then. So yes, of course, my first book call was like oh, I wanted to be on repeat, I wanted to present, but of course I don't think I really wanted to present. It was just yeah. that's all just I like, knew. I just want to be there in yeah, that world so doing stuff. Exactly, yeah. you know. It's um, but you know, maybe like look thinking about these names now, you just think oh, there's such a golden glow about them, and maybe because I'm getting old or whatever that is. <laughs> But I wonder whether there'll be a golden glow about content that I'm consuming today in about 10 years' time. I don't know. It feels a lot more that because we have social media, because we have all these different platforms, that there are so many more opinions and so many more divisive opinions. Whereas if you've got one platform, one piece of content, you could only just agree with that. Or if you don't, then you kind of stay silent. Whereas now it's quite sort of visceral and they're quite um, vicious as well. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose people can sort of seek out things, going back to that sort of bubble thing around yeah. having programs that reinforce your views a bit for, for them yeah, yeah. Worse. absolutely no it's true but um but yeah certainly have golden memories and thinking about it now I feel quite sad 
Yeah, well, you know, the, the, there's time to come. Okay. <laughs> uh, is there anything um, that you're sort of working on at the moment that you're able to talk about that, that you're excited about that we can um, keep an eye out for? Well, before I scoot on that leave, um, <laughs> there are some interesting uh, projects and, you know, like anything, you're kind of uh, very passionate about them. Um, you know, topics and, and um, content that deal with topics that kind of affect young people's lives. So without saying too much, you know, we're looking at, you know, subjects like mental health, terminal illness, um, terrorism and security. And these are things that I just think for content now to really stand out, it has to have to say something about the world in a meaningful way and say it in a very timely way. So it's kind of, you know, back to what I was saying before about the kind of things that I really like. I like things that say something right now that informs my uh, understanding of the world. Um, so yeah, I'm working on some interesting projects uh, that, you know, and of course for us the challenge is how do you use different platforms in, in the best way to optimise a piece of editorial. So these are the kind of projects I think are, oh, this is exciting. Um, but yeah, some really good stuff. Watch this space. That's great. My perception is that that approach really underpins what BBC Three is all about. Would you would you say that's that yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Using you know using platform in, platforms innovatively, and also kind of um, you know I think I said this a few days ago uh, a meeting that you know short form or digital content shouldn't just be seen as an added extra. So the way that new media came about in television was that you know if you want more information, go to this website about a particular television show. But now it's content in its own right, isn't it? And so. For me at three, you know, working with the team here, you know, we'd like to ensure that short form content is is destination content in its own right. That it's content that absolutely can pioneer for the rest of the industry, um, rather than just being an added extra, say to say it's long form. And that's fine. Doing added extras is great. You know, it can definitely help produce a sort of three sixty offer. But um, I do think the vision is to find content that just feels like it could only be digital. It could only be on that platform. It could it's something additional and extra in its in its own way. Fantastic. Thank you very much. That's, that's Thanks right. for talking to us. Thank you. Pleasure. And like reliving our memories. <laughs>